everyone, and welcome to another episode of the life of David and me. My name is Jonathan Chan. I'm so glad that you can join me today as we continue our journey through the life of David with chapters 25. I hope you've been enjoying this series as much as Dan and I have been preparing them for you because really we're delving into a very popular story here. However, uh, Dan and I have been identifying these little nooks and crannies and little treasure tidbits and nuggets to offer you to tantalize and scratch your brain a little bit, to think about it a little bit more on the stories that we are so accustomed to. Because sometimes when we listen to these stories too often, we tend to gloss over the nitty gritties and the little nuances that we may have missed. And so hopefully during this whole journey thus far, you picked out some of the nuances and those little tidbits of nuggets of treasures that you could keep for your own reference. Okay, without further ado, let's start off with a video clip before we continue uh, with our discussion on chapter 25. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the clip, and we'll be right back. Your children and your children's children will be subjugated! They will be asked, how many vaccines have you had? Have you been a good little Nazi? Hail Fauci! Hail Fauci! Hail Fauci! Hail Fauci! All of us tend to do foolish things and look like a fool while doing them. I'm one of them. Usually, those times are when I'm absent-minded or being forgetful. Some examples of stupidity are like these. I was making an omelette for myself and while I was cracking the eggs, I threw the yolk in the compost along with the shells. Not just once, but twice, two in a row, two eggs in a row, I threw the yolk with the shells. What in the world was I thinking? I was not. After the first time, it was funny, after the first time, I said to myself, I better not do this again for the second time because first, great, okay, that's forgivable, you were absent-minded, but second time, come on. But alas, I did it the second time. I felt and looked like a fool. I also did something similar with oranges, quite often actually. I'll be peeling an orange, and after peeling it, I would throw the whole entire orange away into the compost as well. Why? I have no idea. Those are the amusing ones, the absent-minded ones. But there are also times where I behave like a fool, and I completely regret it because it hurt, it hurt people. Those times can be summed up with one word, temper. When anger consumes me, when fire rages through my core and my whole entire brain takes a back seat and just allow the amygdala go able, when I allow my temper to take control of me, my actions make me look like a fool. Not as much of a fool like the guy on the video, but a fool in general. Foolish, not just because I look stupid and acting out my anger, but because if I call myself a Christian, all the work I've tried to do to help people, to be generous, to be loving and kind, to be a good neighbor, all that work goes out the window due to that one, two to three minute act of rage. A deep regret due to my actions. 
where I am ashamed of my actions in front of people and especially in front of God. When we give in to our temper, we are fools. And that's my argument for today. Let's begin. 1 Samuel chapter 25, verse 1 to 3. Now Samuel died, and all Israel gathered for his funeral. They buried him at his house in Ramah. Then David moved down to the wilderness of Ma'on. There was a wealthy man from Ma'on who owned property near the town of Carmel. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and it was sheep-shearing time. This man's name was Nabal, and his wife Abigail was a sensible and beautiful woman. But Nabal, a descendant of Caleb, was crude and mean in all his dealings. Samuel, the last of the judges of Israel, has now died, and a new chapter begins for Israel with the age of the kings. Not that the age hasn't already started, because it started with Saul, but this is where the old guard has now completely left everything to the kings. Thus far, as we journeyed with David, the stories we read were like training sessions for David, right? Training sessions for David on how he would respond to the various trials he encountered. And most importantly, though he was faithful to God, he was also very human. In this upcoming story, it's another training session for David, and this time it's with a guy named Nabal and his wife Abigail. Nabal in Hebrew sounds like the Hebrew word for a fool. Now, I'm sure his parents didn't have that intention of naming their child a fool. It's like naming your kid Doofus. You wouldn't do that, would you? Because Nabal also sounds like honor or honorable in Hebrew. But because we know that a lot of Old Testament writers like to use wordplay to support their purpose of the story, we will soon come to realize that the author emphasized the word fool as opposed to the word honorable. For Abigail, her name in Hebrew is my father is joy. Now, does this have any symbolic meaning to the story today? Maybe. But most importantly, we are given a good description of who they were. Nabal was a mean, stubborn, and cruel person, while Abigail was the complete opposite. She was beautiful in the inside and in the outside, and she was discerning and wise. This sets the entire stage for what's coming next. Let's continue. Verse 4. When David heard that Nabal was shearing his sheep, he sent ten of his young men to Carmel with this message for Nabal. Peace and prosperity to you, your family and everything you own. I am told that it is sheep shearing time. While your shepherds stay among us near Carmel, we never harmed them and nothing was ever stolen from them. Ask your own men and they will tell you this is true. So will you be kind to us since we have come at a time of celebration? Please share any provisions you may have on hand with us and with your friend David. David's young men gave this message to Nabal in David's name and they waited for a reply. It seems like David and his 600 men in the wilderness were not just running away from Saul. They appeared to have started a good Samaritan gig, 
by protecting tourists and herdsmen who were traveling through the wilderness from bandits and other bad people. In exchange of their services, they would ask for food and sustenance. So, it's no surprise that David, through his ten men, were asking a return favor from Nabal for protecting his 3,000 sheep. All David wanted was food and provisions from the huge banquet that Nabal was about to hold. Because it's party time, right? Shearing 3,000 sheep? Think of how many wool coats you would have out of that. Sheep shearing time is a huge celebration then. A huge profit, a celebration of humongous profits. And it happens where this celebration has tons of food, tons of booze, and lots of partying. There's plenty of food to go around. And it's also a time, traditionally, of generosity. So David, he knows what, what it means to be sheep sharing time. He, is, he knows what goes on there. He is not out of step here to ask Nabal a return favor for his services. But what happened? Well, let's move on to verse 10. Who is this fellow David? Nabal sneered to the young men. Who does this son of Jesse think he is? There are a lot of servants these days who run away from their masters. Should I take my bread and my water and my meat that I've slaughtered from my shearers and give it to a band of outlaws who come from who knows where? So David's young men returned and told him what Nabal had said. Get your swords, was David's reply as he strapped on his own. Oh, then 400 men started off with David, 400 men, and 200 remained behind to guard their equipment. Not only did Nabal pretend to not even know David and what he did for him, but he also addressed David the same way as Saul did, son of Jesse. Everyone by now knows that David is the next king, the God-anointed. And Saul used this phrase to demean David and make him little in front of everyone. Nabal is doing the same thing. Nabal is also on the side of Saul, identifying David as a mere servant who ran away, which is completely the wrong reason why David is on the run. Everyone knew why David was on the run, because Saul wanted to kill him. Nabal basically kicked David in the nuts and slapped David in the face, metaphorically, with his remarks, and oh boy, David was pissed. So pissed and angry that he didn't even say much. He just said, get your swords. He allowed his temper to get out of control and to take control of him. He armed 400 men, including himself, and was ready to just wipe Nabal and his entire family off the face of the earth. Can you remember who did the same thing and followed through with it not too long ago? Just a couple of chapters. It was Saul. Just a couple of chapters ago, Saul, in his anger, wiped out an entire village of priests, their wives and children and their livestock because Saul allowed his temper to get control of him. David, the David, was about to do the same thing as what Saul did. Will David then become just like Saul? Or will God intervene? Verse 14. Meanwhile, one of Nabal's servants went to Abigail and told her, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, but he screamed insults at them. 
These men have been very good to us, and we never suffered any harm from them. Nothing was stolen from us the whole time they were with us. In fact, day and night, they were like a wall of protection to us and the sheep. You need to know this and figure out what to do, for there is going to be trouble for our master and his whole family, including yourself. He's so ill-tempered. In other words, in Hebrew, it says he's so stupid. No one can even talk to him. Two very angry men. Nabal in one corner and David in the other. Nabal was so angry at David's request that he didn't even give too much thought on the consequences of what he said to David. Nabal just lashed out in idiotic fury, telling David to get lost. This is how we look like fools when we allow our temper to take control of us. Just like Nabal, when we allow our temper to get out of control and take control of us, we say things that we probably shouldn't have said and done things that we probably shouldn't have done only to realize that after the fact, we should have considered the consequences of our actions before we did them. But because of our temper, in the heat of the moment, we just lash out without any filters. And while we're on this maniacal temper tantrum, we ignore anyone near us trying to talk some sense into us. That's Nabal. Could that be us too? Now, his servants knew that David and his men protected them and that Nabal was just being stupid. And knowing that Nabal is putting them in danger and the entire family in danger of a great ass whooping, these smart servants went directly to the smart person in the family, Abigail. Abigail, they think, and they hoped, was to find a solution and fast. Now, here's the question. The servants couldn't talk any sense to Nabal because Nabal was having a temper tantrum. Will this happen to David as well? Will David listen to sound reason during his tantrum? Because at the current moment, David was behaving like Nabal. Currently, David is on a rampage heading directly to Nabal. All right, let's take a look. Verse 18. Abigail wasted no time. She quickly gathered 200 loaves of bread, two wineskins full of wine, five sheep that had been slaughtered, nearly a bushel of roasted grain, 100 clusters of raisins, and 200 fig cakes. She packed them on donkeys and said to her servants, Go on ahead, I will follow you shortly. But she didn't tell her husband Nabal what she was doing. As she was riding her donkey into a mountain ravine, she saw David and his men coming toward her. David had just been saying, and by the way, he kept on saying, a lot of good it did to help this fellow. We protected his flocks in the wilderness and nothing he owned was lost or stolen. But he has repaid me evil for good. May God strike me and kill me if even one man of his household is still alive tomorrow morning. David was venting, as you can see. All right. So Abigail thought of an idea that included a meals on wheels. It's interesting that she had no idea where to go. But David knew how to get to Nabal. So it was really God's providence that led Abigail directly to David's direction, right? Because she didn't know where to go. The voice of reason is coming because God provided the voice of reasoning to David. David was fuming and he was still fuming. He was talking smack on Nabal to the point of calling everyone in Nabal's household wall pissers. That's what it means in Hebrew. Will David stop for Abigail? 
Will he stop for Abigail at all? Who is not only Nabal's wife, who is David's enemy, but also a woman who in that day was merely a commodity and another economic currency. Will David actually stop for Abigail? And listen, verse 23. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed low before him. She fell at his feet and said, I accept all blame in this matter, my lord. Please listen to what I have to say. I know Nabal is a wicked and ill-tempered man. Please don't pay attention to him. He is a fool, just as his name suggests. But I never even saw the young man you sent. Now, my lord, as surely as the lord lives and you yourself live, since the lord has kept you from murdering and taking vengeance into your own hands, let all your enemies and those who try to harm you be as cursed as Nabal. And here is a present that I, your servant, have brought to you and your young men. Please forgive me if I have offended you in any way. The Lord will surely reward you with a lasting dynasty, for you are fighting the Lord's battles. And you have not done wrong throughout your entire life. Even when you are chased by those who seek to kill you, see, she knew, your life is safe in the care of the Lord your God, secure in his treasure pouch. But the lives of your enemies will disappear like stones shot from a sling. Hmm, deja vu. When the Lord has done all he promised and has made you leader of Israel, don't let this be a blemish on your record. Then your conscience won't have to bear the staggering burden of needless bloodshed and vengeance. And when the Lord has done these great things for you, please remember me, your servant. It's amazing that David actually stopped and listened. Now, I'm not sure why he did. Maybe because he saw the meals on the wheels. Or Abigail was just that darn beautiful that caught David's attention. Side note, we know that this is David's weakness, right? Uh, further down in this story, David has succumbed to many of beautiful women and have done really bad things because of it. But let's get back to the point here. Abigail had quite a plan. But it's what Abigail said that I believe God was speaking through Abigail to David. Three things stuck up for me in Abigail's speech to David. First, Abigail, on behalf of the entire family, including her douchebag of a husband, asked for forgiveness first. She was the first person to ask for forgiveness out of the whole ordeal. Second, Abigail reminded who David was and how God protected him. She reminded David that he wasn't a man who takes vengeance in his own hands. He has always given that job to God and have not done wrong, but have been obedient to God. So why do it now? Abigail asks. And if you do it, you would regret it. Why do it? She also reminded David how God provided for him throughout his time in the wilderness. She reminded David not to forget that God's promise to him is to make him king, that he will be king and leader of Israel. So why throw that away? With some temper tantrum, Abigail said. The voice of reason. How did David respond? David replied to Abigail in verse 32. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you to meet me today. Thank God for your good sense. In other words, thank you for, your, to, thank you for talking some sense into me. Bless you for keeping me from murder and from carrying out vengeance with my own hands. For I swear by the Lord, the God of Israel, who has kept me from hurting you, that if you had not hurried out to meet me, not one of Nabal's men would still be alive to tomorrow morning. 
Then David accepted her present and told her, return, return home in peace. I have heard what you said. We will not kill your husband. Okay. Phew! David listened to reason. God provided David with Abigail to remind David of who he is and how God has been with him for all this time. Why throw it away with some stupid act out of anger? There's a saying that goes like this. Don't fight with pigs for you too will get dirty. Look, I get it. There are a lot of idiots out there who just make us angry, who seem to be able to push our buttons and make us fuming, especially those who we try to love and care for, whether it be our family, whether it be the homeless, whether it be our neighbors, etc. For some odd reason, there are those folks out there who are just idiotic and pushes our buttons to get us really riled up. David's idiot was Nabal. Nabal seemed to have pushed David's buttons and just ignited this anger in David all of a sudden. How come Saul didn't do that? It was Nabal. David thought the only way to straighten up Nabal was just to annihilate him since, hey, in David's logic, this world can do one less idiot, right? But David was reminded of who he was by God through Abigail. We all have those folks in our lives to talk some sense into us. It's a choice of whether we listen or not. For me personally, it doesn't take much of a thought as to who that person who talks some sense into me. That person is my wife, Rosanna. God, through Rosanna, reminded, constantly reminds me of who I am in Jesus. And she also asks the tough questions such as, quote, are you sure you want to do that? Now, after she tells me these things and asks me the tough questions, I have two choices to make, right? Should I heed her warning and just or just ignore her completely and act like a fool and continue to submit to these temper tantrums? Well, to tell you the truth, after 15 years of marriage and still counting, I can tell you it's best to heed her warnings, to heed the warnings of those who talk some sense into us, to listen to reason, to listen to the reminders of who we are in Jesus and why we are truly here on this planet in the first place. It is to be a blessing to others. So are we a blessing to others if we give in to our temper tantrums? No, we will just look like fools. We don't want to look like a fool. What we do want to do is to be a blessing to people. So we have a choice to make then, to listen to God or succumb to our anger and be a fool. <laughs>